Welcome to another episode of the Naturally Built Podcast. This is actually a special episode. Uh, we are in the middle of Cal Poly Pomona's College of Environmental Design's Firm Week, uh, where students get a chance to interview and meet with architecture and landscape architecture firms, agencies, and organizations. This episode is a recording of the Getting to Work panel discussion between students and professionals that I took a part in. You'll also hear from department chairs Andy Wilcox and Mark Schultz, as well as Dean Lauren Bricker. On the professional side, you'll hear from Juan Prieto with the Office of James Burnett, Glenn Mann with AO Architects, Nermeen Abudawood and Hyunji Kim with SWA Landscape Architects, and Sarah Sindian with KTGY Architects. On the student side, you'll hear from Mark Martinez, Francis Aquino, Henry Chu, Garrett Hartsicker, I know I mispronounced that, apologies to Garrett, uh, Tracy Chesaris, and Gia Menchaca are also in the student group. With that said, please enjoy the getting to work panel discussion. I think this is going to be exciting. It was a lot of work to set this up. I want to uh, give a shout out to our student crew that made this happen. Francis, Garrett, Adriana, and Joy. Joy, sorry. Um, uh, those are the students that were um, mainly involved in making the concept board work and setting up all the interviews. I think that's a uh, great accomplishment that, um, and we hope that it runs as smooth as we anticipate this whole week to run. So um, welcome everyone. And um, I'll have our Dean say a few sentences. Lauren. Thank you very much, Mark and Andy. Um, it's just a pleasure to be here with all of you. And uh, I, I look forward to firm what we think of as Firm day. Of course, we're having basically firm week this year, and uh, with this entirely new format, and and it's uh, it's it's a great opportunity, I think, for all of us to be together, even if it's a uh, digitally. But uh, I I think you'll all find that the the energy and the enthusiasm is there as always. The talent, of course, we're just I have to say, just brimming with it. And um, I'm very proud to be uh, to be here with all of you. Uh, you'll be hearing more details about the uh, the specific programming for the week. But I just wanted to to convey my my support and and um, enthusiasm for for what is happening. And and I think you may you could for those of you who are uh, alums, it's this is a I think a real fine indication of the kinds of programming and and uh, sort of positive, um, at times it's not easy, but a positive uh, outlook that we've all been able to maintain as we uh, go forward in, in this, um, what we all say, challenging time. But there, there are opportunities that I guess it's human nature we always find, including facilitating everybody being here. So um, thank you, thank you. For having me and I, and I wish you all the best for a successful uh, week. It's good to see you all. Thank you. Thanks Dean Bricker. Um, uh, we appreciate all the support uh, to My, our departments. Yeah, yeah, happy, happy to right. do So uh, we wanna thank everybody again for being here today. Uh, we do appreciate your, your time and participation with the students. Uh, we very much appreciate all the offices taking time out of the day and on the faculty too to join us. Um, I want to give a 
a quick um, thank you to all our participants, our supporting firms that uh, did a little bit extra. Uh, it, it's, you know, makes a big difference. Um, your support in, uh, in making programs like these operate uh, and making all our departments stronger. So we want to, you know, very quickly thank AO Architects, Brightview, Greg Medeo and Medo and Associates, KTGY, Sitio Landscape Architecture, and SWA Group. Um, and, a, and also a special shout out to OJB, the Office of James Burnett, and HMC Architects for their uh, continued support over the course of the year. It's, it's important to us all. This morning's uh, session is aptly titled Getting to Work. Uh, and the intent this morning is to give some emerging professionals, i.e. students, a chance to ask uh, people in practice a couple of questions. Um, and then we'll flip the script on that and, and have uh, some of the folks in practice ask some of our emerging professionals a, a few questions. And the idea is to generate a conversation and get everybody into the spirit of uh, firm week um, as best we can. So without further ado, I'm gonna start by uh, introducing our our uh, student participants today. We have uh, Francis Aquino. Francis, you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here today. Um, well, oh, okay. <laughs> I, sorry, I got distracted by Andy's uh, message. I, Francis Aquino. Francis is the current student chapter of the ASLA, uh, our president. So thanks for doing that, Francis. Yes, sorry. That was an improper way to introduce myself. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tell, give us your affiliation. Next, we're going to go with uh, Mark. Mark Montenot. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. Mark, who are you representing today? Well, I represent uh, Tau Sigma Delta of architecture. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Henry Chu. Hey, all. Good morning. My name's Henry, and I'm representing Cal Poly Pomona chapter of uh, the National Organization of My Minority Architecture Students. Thanks, Henry. Garrett. Hey guys, I'm Garrett Hartziker. I'm the current AAS president, which is the American Institute of Architecture Students. Thank you. Uh, special shout out to also Garrett and Francis, should have said on Francis's too, but this, we couldn't have pulled Firm Week off without them and all their help and, and the recruiting of all the other team members that they did. So thank you. Uh, Tracy. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Tracy. I'm part of the student chapter here for NAMLA, National Association of Minority Landscape Architects. And I'm also events coordinator for the EMB Council. So. And last but not least, Gia. I'm Gia Minchaka. I'm representing um, ASLA. Thanks Gia. That's uh, our student participants this morning for uh, our participants on the firm side in no particular order. We've got Juan Prieto from the office of James Burnett. I'll say hi, Juan. Hey, everyone. Thanks. Juan's an alum. <laughs> Thanks, Juan. Uh, Pablo Cortez. Yes, hello, everyone. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on here. Um, I am from class of 2007. So that's uh, just a little while ago. Thanks for setting this up and uh, having me be here. Thanks for your support, Pablo. And Pablo runs a podcast, uh, Naturally Built. If you haven't heard it, check it out. It's got all kinds yes. of great stuff on there. 
Uh, we've got Glenn Mann here with uh, AO Architects. You out there, Glenn? Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Glenn with AO Architects. Um, this is my first virtual career kind of firm week, but I would say this is probably my fourth firm week that I've um, been doing with Cal Poly. Awesome. Thanks for being here, Glenn. Two reps from SWA Group. We've got Nermeen and Hyunji. Can I say hello? Hey, guys. Nermeen. Class of 2018. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Hyunji, also class A 2018. I'm glad that I can participate with Firm Day. Thanks. And rounding it out, we've got Sarah from KTGY. Hey guys, this is Sarah. I'm an architect and I work at KTGY. I'm an associate principal there. Um, I graduated Cal Poly Pomona quite a while ago. I won't say the, the year, I don't want to date myself, but um, I've been uh, involved in all your firm days in the, in the years past. And I'm super excited to meet all, uh, a lot of you students uh, virtually. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome, thanks Sarah. So um, we're gonna turn this over to the student leadership now. They've got a, each of them's got a question or two lined up for the professionals. Uh, we'll do this for maybe a half hour or so. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and then we'll uh, flip it around. And like I said, the professionals can ask some questions to the students. Um, and then if there's some time, we can do a, a general session. Uh, but with, uh, with that, uh, I'm gonna turn it over to Garrett for, uh, for uh, the questions. All right. All right. Uh, so one of the first questions um, I, I was considering is, uh, how does your firm make new hires and interns feel like they are part of a community? And let's start with uh, let's start with one. Hey, Garrett. Um, well, from experience, uh, I guess uh, you know when I was started first day, um, I was assigned to a uh, someone who was going to lead me through, you know, some of the projects and give me a rundown of, you know, how day-to-day -day, uh, kind of uh, operations go and kind of giving me uh, an introduction to, to everyone in the office. And uh, of course, uh, uh, also kind of walking me through some of the projects so that they have an understanding of, you know, what my project uh, or specifics or interest kind of lie in and then they'll kind of uh, put me into a, a project that they think, you know, best fits my, my skill sets. And, um, and, you know, that worked really well for me. Uh, you know, I landed uh, or was put into projects that, you know, work, worked out for me and that kind of were aligned to kind of my, my interests and, and skills. And I, that's where I, I've been in growing as a professional. Okay, great answer, Juan. Uh, so I'm gonna popcorn over to Francis to ask the next question. This goes to everybody, um, to all the firms out there um, right now, but um, one thing, it's one thing to sign on to ambitious goals like working towards social equity, but it's another thing to figure out how to actually put those goals into action, actions and implement that change. How are you at an individual or organizational level working towards actually creating that change? Um, yeah, so I can kind of start off answering that. Um, so really on, on my end, um, 
it's I'm like the only employee basically of the company for now. Um, and the, the goal really has been to um, I've been working with consultants on that have uh, helped out with some of the work. And, um, you know, these are people that I've worked with in the past that I've gone to school with. And just from that, that's, that's always been for me, a very diverse group of, of people that I can kind of reach out to. Um, so I, I, you know, to answer your question, it's, I guess it's a, in, in that respect, it's a little easier, I guess, for myself to reach out to, um, uh, you know, people from different backgrounds. Um, and I have been, and that is the goal moving forward, right? Um, especially when it comes to, to hiring. Um, we, I had a, uh, we had a proposal um, that asked for our um, sort of equality statement, right? And um, we didn't have one at the time. So I kind of went through and kind of went through a bunch of different companies and saw what their uh, sort of little sentence was. Um, and uh, I think the one that landed for us was the one from Duolingo. Uh, if you guys are familiar with that application. <laughs> um, and it, it was it really just said, it, pretty simple, right? It said the, the more diverse that, that we are, the better our work will be. And that's what I'm basing our uh, hiring practices moving forward, right? Once we start to get into bringing people on board, that's going to be a big part of, uh, of, of, of um, who we hire. And um, yeah, because so, I think that's a very apt statement, right? The more diverse that the, the, the company culture is, the, the better the work will be coming out of it. Hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Thank you, Pablo. And I just wanted to add to that, Francis, if I can. Uh, this is Sarah from KTGY. So, you know, ex exclusivity, diversity, and inclusion has been a really, really popular topic in the last few years. And KTGY has really stayed on the forefront of that topic. So, um, what we've done is not only have all the staff received training on EDI, but we are also um, very involved in certain organizations like NOMIS. Um, you guys have probably heard of NOMIS. It's the National Organization of Minority Architects. They had a conference last October. We had um, a presenter from our company represent us. Um, we've also hired interns specifically associated with NOMIS. Um, and we've um, had some, some of our staff members take part as mentors for the NOMIS um, participants. So, you know, we really believe in having a diverse culture in our company. Um, we believe in equality. All of that is is really important to us. And, you know, to, to build on uh, the last statement that was shared is really our designs are better when we have a, a diverse group of people who stand behind that design. And when I say diverse, it could be, you know, a, a group of people who range in different ages, you know, different um ethnicities, different childhoods, the way they were raised. It's just a diverse background because when we all come together as designers uh, and we give our little piece of the pie, um, we really come up with a design that I think is better than if one person or a small group of people had come up with that design. So um, Katie Joy is a huge supporter in, in EDI. Thanks, Sarah. That was really great. I'll go for, ahead. For, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Also, Estebe is also incorporating this uh, social included. And then we have in Laguna office, we call, um, actually, Estebe whole company, we kind of set up this group called RISE, Respect, Inclusion, Social Equity. 
So we have a, have a more ongoing discussion with um, higher level principals and we have a rise committee has been formed and then we keep continuing on working on funding or um, we're looking for the school that we can incorporate with our as a designed as an architect. So we are also in part of it. Thank you. Thank you, Hanji. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, did you say me? I was going to popcorn you, Gia. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so um, with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, um, things have changed drastically in the way that society has functioned as a whole, um, including the field of design. Um, so in terms of designing the landscape, like public or private, what do you think are some things that will never be the same even after the pandemic is over? and that we as future designers should be considering. Um, and that's for anybody. Sorry, this is Glenn with AO. Um, you know, we're a very large firm in uh, Southern California and we kind of do a lot of different uh, building types. Um, I would say the one that is really affected from us is mostly the retail and say a lot of the social gathering kind of uh, industry. Uh, the cinema industry is definitely gonna be different um, you can already see that the streaming war is already kind of changing that kind of landscape and the way people consume media. Um, but we do see uh, a lot of cinemas kind of disappearing, but we do feel that retail is, um, is kind of in a hiatus right now, but we, we do think it's going to come back really strong. A lot of the, our, our clients and developers are very robust about, um, seeing this kind of, uh, rebirthing kind of after the vaccine is, uh, is kind of, uh, implemented to everyone that they do see it as another boom that could potentially happen happening in a lot of these different industries. Um, we've also kind of diversified mainly because of this change with COVID is that we've also uh, delved into other uh, industries that we didn't traditionally kind of go into, which was say industrial warehousing. So we've been doing a lot of uh, Amazon fulfillment to sort of continue, um, you know, our, our kind of revenue coming into the into the office and then we've also gotten a, a, a little bit of infrastructure as in like say data centers and um, sort of science campus buildings so as a business model we've actually diversified in in, in, in adding more industrial pieces for us uh, to sort of combat the COVID issue. Hi I just want to oh. piggyback on Glenn's um response there. He spoke uh, more about the retail and I wanted to give my little two cents about residential and how COVID has affected residential. So um, as you all know, I mean, you guys are working from home just like everybody else in the world. <laughs> so um, residentially, you know, we're starting to design workstations at home that are larger than we're used to. Um, you know, and multiple workstations, because not only, you know, is, is the father working from home, but the mother and then there's students who are doing online school. So, you know, the, we're, there's multiple workstations we have to design for. Um, also, grocery deliveries is a big thing ever since COVID started. Um, so having a drop off station for groceries to be delivered to you at home has been a consideration in design. Um, Glenn mentioned Amazon, you know, people are, are ordering online more than ever. Uh, they were ordering online a ton before COVID, but now it's, it's, it's 
you know, skyrocketed. And so, you know, drone drop-off stations um, at your house is, is a far-off kind of uh, concept, but who knows how far off we really are, right? Because we've been evolving and adapting to this. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think we, we will know exactly how COVID will change our designs until we're completely gone through it, but those are some ideas that we've tossed around. Yeah, if I can add uh, to Sarah's uh, comments. Um, yeah, she's right. I think I don't think we're going to know the the full extent of what those changes are going to be as far as the effects from COVID. Um, I know there's been talks about, uh, especially on the landscape side, about um, you know providing wider walkways or extending the public realm where you you have the space to to be distanced. Um, you know, and and I think there are some projects that have been sort of implementing or at least trying to implement that those types of uh, of features. But you know, it, it's it seems like it's 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 preliminary. We're right? kind of just trying it out. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how that's gonna play out once, you know, we're clear of the pandemic, uh, if we can even say that. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 not exactly clear, at least to myself, how that all is gonna play out. And just one thing I wanted to add was to you know how COVID nineteen has changed sort of uh, uh, for OJB. Uh, one thing that you know. That I recognize uh, from a design perspective and how that's uh, influenced design is how more collaborative uh, we have been since you know uh, since March. Uh, not only with uh, internally with everyone in our in our design offices, uh, but also with our consultants, and that has made it more efficient and beneficial. We're, we're able to communicate ideas and. Uh, uh, you know, just be more more clear about what the intent and how we can solve solve issues. Thank you. Those are some amazing responses. I know um, in the chat, um, Becerra had some follow up questions for Glenn. I don't know if you want to respond to that before I um, pick somebody else. Yeah, just to follow up on Sarah's, um, she asked, is the rebirth more of the same or do you see an entirely new paradigm for post-COVID? Um, I think there's still going to be certain things that are, are, are going to be the same. Um, but I would definitely say, like, say, for instance, office is definitely going to have a new paradigm. Um, like we've already kind of proven that, you know, remote, remote learning and remote office, uh, remote kind of uh, office work, we can kind of do it in at home. So that kind of piggybacks on Sarah's comments about the increase of, of the home space. Uh, I definitely think office is definitely going to be challenged. They, they, may, uh, they may offer both, as in uh, they may have a space for you in the office. And then, of course, they're definitely going to let you work remotely. Um, so that's definitely going to uh, change the space requirements that are going to happen. So, so there are just kind of basic things that would, would have less demand of square footage um, that would definitely affect uh, what these new um, COVID-related kind of instances would, would happen. But I also think uh, because of the new COVID thing, like th there may be, there may be like say in Asia and especially in Asia, like people have always wear masks, worn, worn masks, um, you know, pandemic or no pandemic. Um, so to me, I think those are some of those things that may also be adopted in the US uh, and move towards some of these new paradigms of how you occupy public space uh, even when you're not in a, in a, a pandemic situation.
And, and just to respond to uh, James' question about, he says, do you think our consumer culture will be a type of lifesaver for the post-COVID design slash built environment world? I think that our consumer culture of online um, shopping and ordering through Instacart and that type of thing has helped us. Uh, survive through this COVID situation and um, will probably continue to do so after COVID. But even more on top of that, I just wanted to say that um, out from a landscape standpoint, how great would it be to design for gardens in our backyard so that we are somewhat, you know, self-sufficient and, and, and not depend entirely on our consumer culture. So there, there are different ideas out there. Um, we, you know, some people are thinking about, well, how do I become self-sustainable at my house rather than depend on, on these groceries being delivered? So I, I think that it's, it's a little bit of both consumer and abil the ability to grow food or be sustainable, self-sustainable at home. Thank you for those um, amazing responses. Um, I'm gonna popcorn to Henry. Hello, thank you for being here. Um, and I wanna, wanna thank you guys for your involvement with NOMAS and NAMLA. We are a brand new chapter at Cal Poly Pomona for NOMAS. Um, and our question would be, uh, how does your firm engage with uh, the community uh, to counter hyper gentrification and mass displacement uh, in underprivileged areas? Um, I mean, it's a it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty deep question. So I mean, in general, like from a from a firm uh, non design aspect, we have a lot of um, charitable um, events that we have. We do have uh, we uh, we we have two food drives that we go for um, for the Orange County area for for AO, and then we also are participants in the construction, which is also um, I don't know if you're familiar. It's a, it's essentially creating some sort of architectural or a some sort of design object out of canned foods and that canned food would be donated to either uh, food banks etc i would say from a design aspect the, the things that we are doing right now is mostly i would say is really engaging and being part of the conversation for affordable housing especially in the um residential aspect of us uh and then also issuing that out quicker with uh we have a strong uh direction in modular modular residential um, and I would say that is probably the, the largest kind of efforts that we are engaging in, in the, I guess, less fortunate part of the community. Then just to piggyback on, on Glenn's comment, um, from, a, from a design standpoint, uh, KGY is also really involved with affordable housing. I think I think it's a super important topic, and and as designers, um, it's a responsibility we have. Uh, we do a lot of affordable housing that um, is funded by TCAC. So if you guys haven't heard of TCAC, it's basically funding um, that some of our clients receive to support building affordable housing for, for um, people who can't afford market rate or above housing. Um, the other thing too is we have a lot of modular projects. Uh, one of them you've, you might've heard on the news, it's called Hope on Alvarado. We also have a Hope on Alvarado and they're modular projects that are geared towards transitional housing. So um, people who don't have housing and this is their temporary means of housing, uh, we're designing for that and, and social support services as well within the building. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Sarah, for those uh, thoughtful answers. Uh, I'm gonna pass it on to Mark Martineau now. Hi, everyone. So uh, these questions were pulled from uh, a TSD event that we had last Friday from, from the student body. 
Um, so many of us would like to get our license as soon as possible uh, post-graduation. So what does your firm do to facilitate licensure and what types of resources does your firm provide for employees that are on track to licensure? And uh, as a follow-up to that, what is a typical path for successful new hires in the first five years of employment at your firm? I can answer that. <laughs> Sorry if I'm talking too much. Um, so KTGY actually reimburses the cost of taking the exams. So, you know, employees will get reimbursed in entirety after you have received your license, um, equivalent to the cost of, you know, all of the exams. Um, we have, as far as resources, we have um, an organization within our, our, our uh, company that meets regularly um, to support each other, um, whether it's to create study groups or um, just to share resources like books and uh, audio and whatever the study materials there are out there. Um, and then as far as what do you do for the first five years, start taking your exams, start studying for your exams as soon as you graduate. It's easier that way. If you wait till life happens and you get, a, you get married, you start having kids, you know, it just gets harder and harder. As soon as you graduate, just start studying, um, start signing up for your exams and don't get overwhelmed by all of the exams you have to take. There's a lot of them. It's not easy, but you can do it. Um, just knock them out one at a time. Uh, so you don't get intimidated, but it's absolutely possible and it's worth it because once you get licensed, no one can take that away from you. And for the rest of your life, you can say you're an architect because if you don't get if you don't have a license, you can't say you're an architect. Legally, you're a designer or a drafter or an intern and you don't want to be an intern for the rest of your life. So um, highly recommend you get your license. I would, I would have to agree with the uh, getting working on getting your license as soon as you can um, uh, with uh, with landscape. Um, it's a little less than architecture. I think it's one or two uh, tests less. Um, but yeah, once you're out of school, if you can start that process, um, you know, the way I thought about it was, you know, I, we went through the program four years and we took tests, right? Every class had some sort of test that you took. Um, this is the same thing. <laughs> you're studying, take a test. Um, yes, there's some experience that comes with it. Um, but the sooner that you can hop on that and, and get that sort of uh, mindset of where you need to be you know, what, by looking at all the um, uh, all the material, um, it'll definitely help you get there faster. Um, the sooner you start. <laughs> the plan was for me to to, to take the the layer exam, uh, the landscape architecture licensure exam, right after college, but uh, I I kind of was hesitant and I waited a little bit, and I'm now scheduled to take the, the exam this April and. Um, OJB, where I work, uh, is willing to reimburse you 100% of, you know, whatever expenses uh, you put uh, into it. And we have a small community within our office who, who has gathered, you know, all the information and all the resources available, in, you know, into a library. And, um, you know, there's small study groups like, you know, Sarah mentioned uh, uh, within our, our studio as well. So. Uh, yeah, don't don't be afraid and um, and don't be intimidated. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you all for the responses. Um, you know, we do have a question in the chat as a follow up. Uh, can anyone be eligible to take the ARE? Yeah. So there are. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, but you know, um, NCARB has specific requirements as who as to who is eligible to take the AREs, and you need to have a certain number of years. Um, under an accredited program 
right, like Cal Poly Pomona's architecture program, to start taking the exams. Um, it used to be that if you had a certain number of years working under the under a professional architect, you could you're eligible to take the exams. But I don't, I don't know if that's changed. So there are specific requirements. Yeah, I think for the for the landscape uh, licensing, I, I don't know if it's changed, but I believe the first two tests you can take as soon as you're graduated um, without any kind of, um, I think I think originally it was two years experience with a landscape architect. Um, uh, I would double check that <laughs> just to make sure that that's still the case. Um, but I believe the first two are available to you. And then the next, the three and four um, have those requirements where you have to have, I believe two years of experience working under a another licensed landscape ar architect. Cool, thank you all for your responses. I'm gonna popcorn over to Tracy. Hi everyone, thank you all for being here. Um, I have a pretty simple question. Um, how does your firm foster an open, communicative environment for your employees? I can, I can start this one real quick. <laughs> um, so like, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm basically the only employee, but we do have, or I do have consultants that I work with. Um, right now there's three of them. And um, we don't have an office, right? This is basically my uh, home office here. Everybody else is working from their, uh, their home. Um, you know, we use, you know, we're, I'm always available by phone, by text. Uh, we use um, WhatsApp a lot to kind of communicate. Um, it's just being, a, on my end, it's really just being available to everybody else, right? And uh, having the tools like WhatsApp to, or even some, sometimes a Zoom call for meetings where we can all just kind of hang out and, and talk about the projects. Um, you know, it's, uh, we've, we, if we meet, It'll be here maybe once a month if we have to, depending on the on the projects. Um, but yeah, I think you know for now on my end, it is going to be just having that, taking advantage of the tools to communicate while not being together. Right, that's that's basically all I can do at this point until things start to change up and you know we get busier. We have employees now, and then we can have a space where we can all sort of. And I don't even know how that's going to work, but at some point, be together in, in one space. Yeah, for yesterday um, at the when pandemic happened, we kind of lay out with the more like a blue day, green day. So if blue day means like a more international work that can come in the office like more Wednesday or Thursday. So we have a set of different times. So it's not wasn't mandatory to come to office. It was more optional. But as pandemic gets gets more serious, is and then there's the people that who come to coming to the office that can open that can come because there's there are more open research, and we have uh, limited people in the conference room, like up to four people. And everyone everyone was um, wear a mask wearing the conference room. So yeah, our fun yesterday is very open. You can come to office if you want, or you can work it remotely at home. And then we use a lot of Microsoft team to communications and Zoom meeting, go to meeting. And we're trying to use different resources that are more helpful and efficient. Just to add to that, you know, open lines of communication is super important in our work, right? Whether you're working professionally or your students, because what we do is design and you need to be able to collaborate to come up with a good design. So we have all the tools out there. I mean, a bunch of them have been mentioned, right? Um, we have, you can have an open uh, space layout 
at, at the office so that you, people aren't in cubicles or separated by walls. Um, you can hear everything earshot. If you hear somebody who has a problem, you can step in and say, well, yeah, I dealt with that problem. This is what I did. You know, um, we have tools, communication tools like WhatsApp or Microsoft Teams. Uh, we have email, there's conference rooms. I mean, all of those are tools, but I think really the number one way of keeping open lines of communication is really company culture company culture, because in what we do, um, we have to be able to play well with others, right? We have to be able to collaborate on our designs. So it's really comp company culture that fosters uh, open lines of communication. Because even, even if we have all those tools, you know, conference rooms, WhatsApp, Microsoft Teams to communicate, it's not going to be used unless we've, we have the right attitude and the right approach with um, our people. And if, if we foster a culture in the in, in our in our companies that say, you know, there's no stupid question, let's talk about this, we'll figure it out together, two heads are better than one, then that's that's gonna keep open lines of communication better than anything else. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that was kind of the direction I kind of wanted that question to go. Um, I guess I can popcorn it back to Andy, if that's everybody. Yeah, uh, we've got a minute or two left on this this first half. Uh, are there any students out there? in the 230 participants in this meeting that are just dying to ask a question, you wanna throw it up in the chat to the uh, professionals in the room? I have a question. Yeah, go for it. Um, so like, I'm paying attention, but like, are we gonna be having like this somewhat like in the future, like kind of like what, what we're having right now? So like when we're are gonna like graduate, like we're kind of like asking these questions because like, I'm, I'm pretty sure like, we're, we just started and like we're kind of more focused on like the program at this moment. So like um, I'm guessing there's going to be like more events stuff stuff. I can't talk. Um, such as this that like eventually when we graduate like it's going to be like okay like we can ask these questions that was like okay I'm graduating and like where do I go from here? That's a good question Hugo. What uh, are you in your first year? Yes. All right. Welcome. Yeah, um, the both departments have these kinds of events uh, throughout the year. We always have firm week. Uh, it's usually one day, but now that we're virtual, we've extended it across the week in order to, to sort of increase flexibility and increase access, knowing just how many Zoom meetings everybody's on every day, all day. So uh, trying to spread that out a little bit. It also, I mean, uniquely gives us a, a platform to do this, like this kind of mixed group with 230 people participating, it's pretty great. I mean, there are some benefits um, to it. And that's, uh, it is changing the game. It's changed the way which uh, we, we do these kinds of things. But yeah, absolutely, Hugo, we have these kinds of uh, events all throughout the year in both departments and, you know, try to work to get everybody connected and talking and feeling a part of the community uh, and importantly, feeling comfortable to speak up and ask questions. So thank you for doing that. Uh, anyone else? Any other students out there got one? We got one more? And we're going to flip it around and have the professionals um, ask. Aisha. I have a, que I have yeah. a question. So uh, this may seem like a very broad question, but um, what does the, your company look for in an applicant who just graduated? Fresh graduate, what, what makes a fresh graduate stand out uh, when applying to your company? That's a good question. I'll answer that. 
<laughs> so I do a lot of the hiring. I'm the hiring manager um, for, for our interns and for our new hires who might have recently graduated. So it's it's tough, right? It's It's tough to hire somebody who's fresh. I mean, if you look at your resume, there's not much there because you've just been going to school, basically. Um, so what, what I look for is initiative. Do you take initiative and how much energy do you have, right? Because I'm looking for somebody who seeks answers instead of just wait to have someone hand them the answer. So someone who is able to use critical thinking. If there's a way you can exhibit that in your work when you interview, when you graduate, that's great. Cause you know, some, if, if there's a candidate in front of me who says I was able to, this, this was my pattern of thought. This was my pattern of logic versus just, you know, A plus B equals C, then that means a lot to me, you know, because it shows somebody who also has a growth mindset. So um, if you guys listen to Ted talks, there's a lady named Carol Dweck who's, who did a really good talk on the growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And that's super important because growth mindset, it, you know, it, it supports the concept that talents can be developed, that we will always continue to grow, that just because something was done one way, it's the best way, you know, it's that that's not true. We will always evolve. And this is what we're doing right now is a perfect example of that. We will adapt and we will evolve as needed to continue to succeed. So somebody who has a growth mindset and who can show that, that they can be flexible, that they can be diverse, that they can evolve with whatever's thrown at them, they will go very far and they'll, they'll succeed. So those are two things that I look for. Uh, just uh, just adding on what Sarah mentioned regarding Carol Estweck, uh, she actually has a book called The New Success, the New Se- the, new psychology of success it's beyond amazing this book changed my life and it does talk about the growth and the fixed mindset sorry i had to throw that in there so uh yes uh i do have a question if i'm not cutting anyone um well let's uh Aisha, let's let's see if any of the other firms want to answer that first uh, that first question that you asked because that's, a, that's okay. a good one i think that's that's a start of firm week a great a great way to wrap up this first half of the session okay um can i jump in yeah yeah, so I think, um, well, first of all, when I remember going to firm week and I remember being super nervous, like for the, fir- I think it was t- two years in a row that I've attended firm week. So first of all, I think um, being informal is, is such a good platform for this whole event. So I think that's a blessing. And then um, side note about being um, what we look for when we hire, I think being bold and that's something, I mean, CPPLA being bold is part of the, the whole motto. So standing out and being bold, um, I think that that basically just, that makes you, makes you strong. So I think, uh, yeah, just, that's what I would say, just being bold. Yeah, if, if I can add, um, you know, once, uh, this is something that we've, I've given a lot of thought to because, you know, I, I, we do plan on growing the, the studio and um, start hiring. Um, I think one of the things that I'd be looking for is, and this is based on my experience from when I first got, when I got my first job out of school, is just have, show that you're willing to learn, right? You want to learn what the, what, you know, what is working in an office environment like, you know, what are, what is something that you didn't learn in school, or maybe you do have, like, take for example, AutoCAD, right? You guys have some kind of experience with AutoCAD. When I, when I started my first job, AutoCAD was, it, it, it was a huge learning curve for me, right? Um, we had used it in school, but actually putting it into work was, 
um, very different. And it took a while for me to kind of get into that mode and, and knowing exactly what it, uh, the, the office requires. Um, so just things like that, right? How the office works, um, the how all the programs that you're using, um, what the relationships are like with uh, with the with clients, right? Just kind of taking it all in and just that willingness to to learn all these things. And um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of my main thing is is looking for someone that is willing to um, obviously you know put in the work for themselves, but learn what the um what landscape architecture um especially for that specific office entails right thank you uh thank you to all the professionals for those answers uh and the students for all the questions those are great uh i think it's a good it's a good tip uh doing any interview is have a couple of questions of your own ready to ask back don't just sit there and wait for everybody your whoever's interviewing you to ask you but uh have a couple things teed up um you know, they, they get to uh, ideas about, you know, company culture, how you fit into that situation, open lines of communication, their dedications to uh, to the things that matter to you, to the issues and concerns that you all have. Those are really great questions to have uh, teed up. Um, yeah, but, for public. Just, to, just to wrap it up, uh, one thing that I've uh, learned and if, and I know it's a lot of work and it's something that you're not really, especially if you're, if you're taking full-time classes, but learn a little bit about business, right? You're going into an environment where it's essentially a business to make money. Um, you know, if you have, if you're able to take the time, I don't know if there's a class or some kind of YouTube video that you can watch, but learn the difference between, you know, an Alice and a corporation, those two work very differently. Um, because you're essentially, you know, you're buying, not buying, but you're going into business with a, and a business entity. And I think having that knowledge is going to help you out, you know, A, when you're, you know, up for a promotion or you want to ask for a raise, knowing how that business is structured is going to go a long way to just kind of helping you out with that. Yeah, that's one thing we don't teach. <laughs> business? What? You have to run a business? Thanks, Pavel. Um, so we're going to flip it around. If anybody needs to take a break, uh, take a break. We're just going to kind of keep it moving here. The conversation seems to be going well. So let's, uh, let's power on through. And we're going to flip this around and give the professionals a chance here to ask some questions of our, our students or, or emerging professionals, if you will. So uh, um, Sarah, you want to yeah. start off? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I wrote this down last night. Um, okay. Question for the students. Drawing on any of your past or current experiences working for a firm as an intern, because I know you guys have worked as an intern for past firms, right? Um, what was something you saw that you think can be improved, whether it's how the company is run or how, how the co company culture is or how the internship program is run? What was something that stood out to you that was like, that could have been better? You know, I, I want to I take a shot at this question. Um, a lot of times I feel like uh, we, we'd focus on the design and creating construction documents um, with no actual uh, time at the job site. You know, a lot of us students are, are very um, curious about how the building actually gets constructed and the whole construction side of things. So if there was one thing I'd like to see them improve on is um, taking their interns or their new hires to the job site and giving them that experience. Because then it, it gets out of the computer and now it's a physical thing. And you know, it's, it's very um, 
it's nice to see. Yeah, that's a great answer. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. And, and to piggyback on that, Mark, you, you're you're going to have to also ask for it if you're going to need to do that when to even get your hours for the ARE. Um, you're going to have to ask for job site requirements. So if you do hear people going to the job site, you, you might even just say, can I come by and just take a look and you create that initiative. Um, because a lot of times the firms are so big and, you know, um, you, you also have to take the initiative to, to get that out too. Got it. Thank you. Just uh, to follow up on what Glenn said, I, I am always sort of a, an advocate and I'm always, you know, asking, you know, hey, can I tag along? Can I do this? You know, uh, whether it's something simple like tagging a tree or uh, grading, you know, uh, you know, if pe more people see that you that you're involved, um, you know, the more they'll they'll ask you, or sometimes they'll even ask, you know, me, hey, can you do this? Uh, uh, I, you know, I can't make it today. Can you go do it? So, um, I guess not much of a um, improvement, but based on my own experience at my previous internship, was that they were very involved with their interns. They um, actually had. Um, both architects and landscape architects interns um, actually work together, do a project they entered us uh, without our knowledge um, to an actual competition. And we, um, and we had to do our own project alongside with other actual company projects that we were working on. And then on top of that, we had to present it to the entire company that was invited, including president, vice president, and all that stuff. Um, and then they would, you know, crit us in front of everybody on how we can improve on afterwards. Um, you know, like what Glenn said about you, you would ask, I asked when they said, oh, well, you can freely ask if you want to be in um, one project, um, it won't be a problem. And I tried it and it was actually um, very uh, seamless. It wasn't a problem. They were very inclusive in terms of being a part of even visiting a site, I was able to visit a site or two, I believe. Was there something about your experience, Francis, that you think could have been better? Uh, I guess one thing um, is just being able to at least include us more in the creative con conceptual design in itself, not just oh, okay, like do this Photoshop or do this CAD work, but being able to know the phase one of it up until the end of it, even if you're not gonna be involved um, for half the time, at least. Good answer. Actually, you know, one, one more thing before we move on. Um, from my experience, uh, a lot of interns, so they'll, they'll come in and they'll, they'll stick to one studio, right? Um, a lot of us coming out of school, we don't know exactly what types of projects we want to be doing. Um, so I think one improvement would be letting, I, I know it's a short period of time for an intern over the summer, but letting them hop around to different studios to see really what their passion might be. 
Yeah, that's that's such a great point, Mark. I mean, there's so much to what we do in the professional world when you become an architect. Um, so our in, our internship programs, we actually give half of half of the summer with the design team and half with the technical team just to figure out where where you fit best. So um, super super important to get that experience. I guess another thing to add is to include us like interns or, you know, entry level um, employees in meetings with clients. So you can't really expect an intern to level up in a sense of being able to know how to uh, conduct a meeting with a client in itself. So even if it's just shadowing um, our supervisor who's just sitting there taking notes um, can help a lot. Great, thanks for those answers. Yeah, one of our other uh, professionals got one teed up. Sure, I, I have a I have a question. Um, so, I always find the schools um, and the students probably the most inventive and uh, most innovative about these sort of things. So, I would say since the beginning of March uh, 2020. Uh, to now, uh, I feel like I've been looking at zoom screens and teams or Skype forever. And um, it just seems like it's it's a very competent system. Uh, it kind of gets the, the job done, but I wouldn't say the experience and the workflow experience is really great, especially when you're sketching stuff and then I'm showing it a piece of trace on the camera or um, I just find it very like say one-to-one -one person kind of limited and it's not like one to the group kind of idea. I'm just wondering, have you guys found any new programs or kind of new workflow systems or kind of any kind of app tools that our firms don't know about that you guys can share on like when you guys are doing group projects or even just showing, hey, I, I was thinking about this. And always the conversation that we have is draw it, you know, don't talk about it, draw it. So then how do we show that? I, I'm just wondering, I'm bringing it back to you guys. I wonder if you guys got any kind of new things that I don't know about. Um, I, I think I can answer that question. Uh, so you guys probably already know um, quite a few of the whiteboard softwares, but one of the biggest things that we've been using a lot is Concept Board. Um, and that's really allowed us to create a collaborative environment. Um, and you know, there's all kinds of these programs. There's Miro. Uh, I want to say there's one called Mirror. Um, they all kind of allow you to draw and be able to, you know, uh, allow for voice chat and these kind of interactive settings. Um, I don't know. We've we've been sort of leveraging those tools a lot, uh, those whiteboard tools. Have you guys found like a better, say, video conferencing uh, app or platform that that you guys can, where there's multiple people that have different breakout rooms or anything like that? Is there? I'm just wondering if you guys have any experience with that. Personally, I have not. Uh, I think Zoom has made a lot of updates since it first came out and the limitations. Now you can kind of annotate and you can share screen and like. I think they app they like added more people. Um, but aside from Microsoft Teams and Concept Board and Zoom, it's kind of all been working this way. So it is kind of a struggle for the students as well. Like we all really miss studio culture. Like we miss the collaboration. We miss seeing other inspiration from other students. So it's definitely a struggle for the students as well, but we're making the best of it. And I'd also like to bring up that uh, Bethany brought up Discord, uh, which is also a great software because it kind of combines 
all of these softwares together. Uh, it allows for sort of uh, group chat as well as uh, sort of Zoom conferencing style meetings. Um, it's sort of the all-in-one platform. It's it's sort of better than most of the other uh, virtual platforms in terms of conferencing. You know, I noticed one thing that, that helps me personally is if I have an ongoing video call in the background while I'm working on my studio stuff. It's almost like um, I'm there in studio with the people I'm conferencing with, um, and it keeps me accountable, right? And if I have any questions, I can say, hey, guys, I have a question. Let me, let me share my screen, and then they could all see it. Um, but in terms of actually writing or drawing something out on paper and sharing it, um, it's a little bit more, more difficult, so. I have something that I could touch on that. Going back to your idea of like, you wanna be able to like, just say like, just sketch it for me. Like, I just wanna see it over sketch. One thing that's really helped me and my friends is Procreate. It's an app on an iPad and it, um, sorry, it allows you to have multiple layers. So you could send a file to someone and they can like make notes right on top of it and you can send it right back and forth. So it kind of gives you that feeling of studio culture in a way. Can I, uh, I like, I like quick that idea, Glenn, real quick? Yeah. Just to the students, are there any activities you guys have done that have helped like engage like the group or to get the collaboration started? Uh, I'm, the software is always, you know, a critical tool of that, but there, are there any things that you guys did in any of your courses or that you guys just came up with in your, in your own teams to kind of get, to get it going? Well, Andy, I'm glad you brought that up because in your Walt Disney Imagineering Studio, you did come up with a lot of games for the first 15 to 30 minutes of our class to get our brains going. Um, we did do a lot of um, Frankenstein sketches. So we had to divide a body, um, head, body, and legs. So for the first 60 seconds, we all had to draw the head. And then after that, we move on like five boxes to the right or to the left and then draw the body um, and you know and so on and then afterwards after three minutes we zoom out and see which Frankenstein looked the best or the ugliest <laughs> if that if that means anything so that's like one thing to get us going but constant board is a really great um, software for collaboration and drawing in a sense those are great points. Those are great ideas. I really like the idea of having an ongoing call in the background or or either it's like some sort of call number that multiple people in your studio can call in and then it's it's just basically, hey, let's let me show my screen and you kind of have in the background. It'd be interesting to see if we can get a program that has that kind of uh, hangout quality, studio hangout quality for it. Yeah, I was just thinking maybe you could use Zoom breakout rooms, right? Have multiple breakout rooms for different, I guess, studios. In, in the office and um, you can either go to the main one, which is just like the whole office in general or pop into different studios. Yeah, that's a great idea. One of the main functions of Discord is a voice chat that allows you to also screen share um, and you can have separate voice chat rooms. So within your server, you could have different particular studio rooms that people can pop in and out of on a voice chat and then share their work. And you can kind of look through their different screens so you don't have to be looking at just one, which is really, really cool. Um, I, I want to add just this might be, you know, not really accessible to a whole lot of people, but this thing here, a VR headset, 
kind of a cool concept. You hop into a room, you actually see an avatar of somebody, and you're in the same room. Could be something that can, you know, help out with that sort of thing, especially if you're <laughs> stuck at home. But this is a great little uh, little tool. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in our company, we use a lot of GoToMeeting and share screen. You can uh, draw. And also, you can ask uh, controls. So you can, in the AutoCAD, you actually someone can draw or um, kind of follow the instructions. And I mean, it's really good to know that I didn't use the concept for I think that's great new system. I would definitely want to um, let other colleagues know in our company. We have another question from one of the other offices. Yeah, if I can, yeah, if I can hop in. Um, I'm just curious as for people coming out of um, fourth year and going into an office. Um, is there anything, <clears throat> I guess, I don't know what the correct way to phrase it, but uh, amenities wise, like what, is there something that you see that, that you're looking for in an office that might be offering something, um, you know, extracurricular, I guess might be the word. Like for example, I worked at an office that had a, uh, a foosball table, right? Or uh, 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 there was a, uh, three guitars that were available to anybody at any time. So I don't know, is there anything like that that uh, students might be uh, looking forward to <laughs> or looking out for? I think um, I can touch on this. Um, so primarily right now, my job search is focused on not only the work, but like the diversity at the company. So I always check like the about me and who's there and whether I feel, feel welcome as a member of the BIPOC community. So that's like first and foremost. Um, Secondly, if the office like physically has like an indoor outdoor space that kind of creates like like a welcoming like landscape environment within a building that is actually also really good because there's like so many countless studies on the benefits of having nature around you. Um, so that's like one physical thing, but a foosball table would be great too. <laughs> Ping pong tables. Oh yeah, we had one in studio, <laughs> it was huge. <laughs> You know, windows are great. I, I worked in an office with, with no uh, windows in the actual office space. Um, all jokes aside, um, what they did have that was nice was a, a table where everyone could sit down at and either have meetings or have lunch. You know, it was a small office so that um, the personal level was there. Um, so yeah, you know, if, if you have a small office and you just want everyone to communicate and hang out, just public table for everyone to sit around at. If, if I may, um, I, I don't know about like everyone, but like for me, it's like more like, I don't wanna feel like I'm confined to this one space. So it's just like anything that would be like, okay, like you're able to like roam around and like do whatever you want. As long as like, there's like somewhat type of that environment. It's like, I, I'd be fine. It's just like, I don't want, it's not that like, how do I word it? I don't know. It's just like that, like you're not like, okay, this is your job and this is what you have to do all the time. It's just more like, okay, just give me space so I can like feel feel like more like more creative space. I don't know like how that can be created. I think also um, on that note, uh, maybe having like a wall, because I know that we pin up a lot of work on the walls and stuff. And sometimes it's just like ideas that you want or like things that you find inspiring. And we kind of do it in concept board virtually, but if at an office there was just like a wall that wasn't necessarily a project but had like ideas or interests that you might want to partake and things that might inspire others, that would also be like a good, I would love that personally. Yeah, thanks. Those are all great answers. Thank you. We have another question. I have a question. Yeah. 
Um, so just kind of on my experience when I was in school, when I would get stuck in a project, I would walk around the other studios and get inspired. So even if I was in fourth year, sometimes I would just walk into the first year studios and, um, you know, get some inspiration. But I'm just wondering how you guys are dealing with getting stuck. Um, so if anyone can answer that. Um, I'll answer first. So one thing that I've been doing is, well, currently I'm, I'm a TA for Kevin Finch for the graphics class. Um, last semester I was a TA for the first year studio with, along with three of my other friends. Um, but this year, since I couldn't be a TA for a studio, I still sometimes hop on. I emailed Rennie if it's still possible that I can just squeeze myself in there and just creep and lurk. But, you know, um, sometimes it's okay to professors as long as you have that. But that's what that's one thing that I do just to get my brain um, going in terms of creativity and doing something. Um, but yeah. Um, personally, I sometimes just roam around the concept board that because we have like a class one that just you put links and you kind of go through them and just seeing everybody's work in those senses. And sometimes when there isn't any workup, I kind of just seek out students like, hey, like, I know you're working on this project. Can I see what you have and just to be inspired? And it kind of also like sparks like new ideas and stuff. So it's like a simple way of getting critiqued by your friend that you kind of trust. So it's also a good idea. Or you watch like a really inspiring video on YouTube. <laughs> but. Yeah, I think some things that have been helping um, me personally is that um, there's a lot of like old uh, readings that we've been given, you know, throughout all of our um, studios or like design uh, history classes that have like been helpful, you know, just like reading through them or going through different projects. And um, I always tell um, my classmates too, is that there's a lot of different um, like schools. Like if you go to the AA school of like architecture and you look through their pages, um, that helps a lot because there's just a lot of different, like, I mean, their school and their way of going about things are so different than how we go about them. So being able to see how what they're doing and how you know they do it um but yeah I think just like really researching and just like watching you know videos that are you know graphically pleasing or movies or just listening to different playlists um whatever it really is so. and can I add to that question um so if you guys are I, I guess the question was different inspirations, but I'm also, I want to ask, are there any kind of new blog sites that you guys are looking at? Like say, I, I guess I'm always looking at Arc Daily, Dezine, Design Boom, and Pinterest, but I'm wondering if there's any kind of new um, blog sites. Are you guys looking at Instagram? Are you guys looking at TikTok? Uh, I'm just kind of curious on what that, those new avenues that I may be missing out on that, that you young hipsters are kind of heading towards? I think Dezine is a great one. That one I'm always looking at. There's another one um, and it's like, I'm not sure if like you're into interiors or not, but it's like 80s interiors and like 50s interiors, which are like really inspiring. Cause not only obviously like the furniture is beautiful and <laughs> all curated really nicely, but also the architecture that they like involve in them um, in the photos or the blog posts or whatever. Um, 
are beautiful as well. So it's just something to kind of get those creative juices flowing, at least, you know, for me. Hi, um, I was introduced to a website by one of the um, architecture instructors from Santa Monica College. Um, it's called Divisar. Um, let me type it. Uh, it's really great. They don't have any advertisement and I think there's a free membership for students. Um, they have really pretty or just very well uh, um, done photographs on there uh, with new projects. So I think it's a really good source for projects. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's got any of these uh, sites, uh, throw them up in the chat too. People can follow along. There's there's tons of amazing reading lists that have been developing uh, recently. And of course, many of them uh, dealing with <clears throat> all the stuff surrounding anti-racism and decolonizing uh, our professions that are that are pretty pretty interesting to read. There's there's tons of great stuff out there. Um, as we look towards wrapping up this discussion, is there? Let's just open it up. Are there any other questions? Anybody out there got anything they're just uh, dying to ask as we uh, as we wrap up Firm Week, or I should say, kick uh, off Firm Week? Well, I can ask questions. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can start with my story first. Um, when I was a junior at Capelli, I think it was at LA 303. And before the semester began, I think due to the instructor's personal reason, we had a different professor to teach that class. And it was Professor Ray in, in Landscape Experiment. And the class was a turning point for me as a student. First day of a class, he brought this book called What is Landscape by John Stigo. And the book is about the discoveries of the landscape at different perspective through different, many different ways, such as like words, history, even conversation with the locals and dance, etc. And the first assignment was uh, What is the Landscape to You? And it was, it gave me a hard time to think about and I look inside what the landscape meant to me personally. And because for me before, I was always working hard to get good grades, but I never asked myself what does landscape mean to me personally. So, and landscape to me is very personal and it is reflection of the past or feeling of the ephemeral moment that connects from the past to the present. So uh, these questions can be very fundamental, uh, but I think it's very important because once you know what the landscape means to you or what the architecture means to you, that becomes your motivation and your passion, and it will definitely reflect on your work. So uh, I would like to ask students, what is like landscape or architecture to you? You don't have to answer right now because it might be kind of tricky, but definitely go back home and think about what it's meant to you personally. I, yeah. I, this is Glenn Matsui. Uh, I would sort of like to add a, a, a couple of things. I think it's important to, as you develop your resume and your portfolio and things like that, I would probably express my strengths and my interests at what I'm into and things like that, because you would never know, you know, the, the offices and the people in the offices looking at your resume and, and, and those types of qualities, what they're sort of interested in. Now, obviously, you know, you're going to be, they're going to be looking at your AutoCAD familiarity and your design familiarity and things like that, but even your interests, okay? See, like if I was interested in golf, okay, maybe there's an office out there that's really designing golf courses and you would just fit into their 
you know, scheme of things perfectly. You know, uh, I'm a fly fisherman and, and Andy Wilcox would probably more likely, you know, be interested in me, okay? And if I was interested in grapes, Phil Prego would be interested in me, okay? So, you know, you, you never know, okay? So, uh, and also by doing that, you would probably fit into an office that would be more along what their interests are like and how they would, you know, uh, handle their people and, and things like that. So I would probably try and be more true to what you're like and, and, and because then you will fit in. There's nothing worse than working for a firm that just is in opposite directions as, as your interests and you're gonna be miserable, okay? So that's my two cents, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. I'll fish with you any day. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, let's, uh, let's, I got a last question to wrap this up. I'm going to direct this to the professionals. Just to, What's the like goofiest thing you've seen in somebody's portfolio or resume or like one thing that like as soon as you start, we're like, nope, not doing that. Like what would be the thing not to include <laughs> in, uh, in applying? Uh, I just real quick on my end. Um, so I, you're applying to a landscape architecture firm. Uh, <laughs> it's fine to include AutoCAD work, but if you got three sheets of a building or interiors, I can't do anything with that. <laughs> so just just a heads up. <laughs> um, keep it to landscape for the most part. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to add to that. So I love looking at student work when I look at their their resumes and I'm looking to hire because it's, it's their work that really shows, um, you know, their thought process and, and their skills. So when I open a portfolio and I see, for example, images that are very low resolution, that's a huge turnoff for me. Um, another thing, too, is if, if their portfolio is full of projects, just like, uh, you know, a dozen of them, just like one after the other, it starts to water down the portfolio. So I recommend picking like three of your, your, your best work, three of your best pieces to really showcase who you are um, and, and really showcase your talents. Otherwise it starts to just keep getting watered down with every single project that gets thrown into the portfolio. Yeah, and I think uh, one thing to also kind of keep in mind is, um, you know, if we're going through uh, portfolios, probably going through, I don't know, 30, 40 at a time, right? It's, it's if, if you can keep it more concise and specific to what you're, what you're, um, um, you know, what you're going for, what you're, whether it's architecture or landscape architecture, it's going to be a lot, it'll, it'll go a lot smoother, the process on, on our end as, mm -hmm. as far as um, kind of going through that process. Definitely make sure it's relevant. You know, if you've, if you're applying for a firm that does a lot of residential architecture, Put in some of your, you know, work where you've done studio work, designing an apartment building or something, you know, something residential, because it's it becomes very relevant at that point. Also, um, maybe leave out your first year work where you're designing like sculpture or something like that, unless it's really awesome. Yeah, I, I agree with those comments. Uh, I also notice um, when I interview a lot of Cal Poly students, it always seems to be in the same chronological order, as in this is my first year, this is my second, and this is my third. And especially when we see people within the same year, it's always the same order. 
And I'm just wondering if you guys just, all it does is you just have to switch the pages in InDesign uh, depending on which audience or who you're trying to kind of talk to. Uh, and then maybe add like some sort of um, like a page that kind of either summarizes it or kind of gives you the key idea of what that your project's about. You know, not about the studio task or like the brief that you got, but more like what were you what were you trying to do as kind of like the intent. And I think that already shows a lot uh, to say that, you know, my project is not only just about a school that uh, answers one through 10 uh, questions, but it's really about this. And this is what I really wanted to bring to it. Um, I think because uh, in the forum day, a lot of uh, interviewers are going to see the same work. I think most important thing, how do you rebuild yourself and how we differentiate from others? I, I think winter break, when I was in school, I took whole break to think about how I can organize portfolio, how, how I can make a unique as in contrast to others to become more pop up. So I uh, definitely encourage you to really think about um, your personality and what is how to reveal yourself. Yeah. Because I, I can, this is my portfolio was a second long time ago. It was um, with BNL and with the, my fingerprint. It was because I wanted to show more and more personal level. So yeah, just I wanted to more create it. Awesome. Well, thank you. We'll be sure to leave out the, the bad still life paintings uh, in our portfolios. Uh, I want to thank everyone uh, for participating today. Uh, big shout out here to Glenn, Sarah, Nermeen, Hyunji, Juan, Pablo. Appreciate you taking the time uh, to share your experiences uh, and experience with us. Much appreciated. Uh, looks like people, everybody's clapping for you. Just can't hear them. Um, and then uh, I also want to thank the students uh, for, for doing this. I want to thank Tracy, Gia, Francis, Mark, Henry, and Garrett. Appreciate you guys uh, taking the time today and being organized and all the other students that participated um, and faculty uh, and, and professionals that participated uh, today and in the chat and everything else. We have a lot of events this week. Just a quick reminder, we've got uh, tomorrow's at Pecha Kucha. Uh, we got about 15 different people participating. Mark, you're ready, right? I think I'm going to start with you, man. Born ready. Yeah, I think All I right. thought you were starting with me. <laughs> so we're, uh, we've got that tomorrow. That should be a lot of fun. Wednesday, we'll see Juan and company back with uh, the office of James Burnett. Uh, a nice walkthrough of uh, their work and their processes. Thursday, Tracy and uh, Namla are going to organize our alternative uh, practices panel. So we'll see you all then. Um, and uh, on Friday, we've got the uh, happy hour at four. So I wish everybody a, a really great uh, and productive firm week. Uh, Mark, you got a, you got Mark Schulitz, you got anything as we wrap this up? No, just some thank you to all the participants. I uh, thought it was very informative. And I guess since I'm the uh, internship coordinator for the architecture program, there's something that um, I should tell students uh, for future firm weeks or for, for just getting internships. That was very interesting. Thank you, everyone. And a quick reminder, um, everybody here, you can find, uh, find all the firms participating on the concept board. And of course, you'll be able to find all the students on concept board and, uh, and be able to connect through that.
All right, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, and everybody have a great week. Good luck to everybody. Yeah, Thank good luck, you. guys. Thank you. A little bit Thank of you. clapping Thank for you. everyone. Nice meeting, Thank everyone. Thank you. Great meeting you all. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Good luck, everyone. Bye. Thank you.